0: Okay, upgraded this week, (laughs) sort of. Still a bit dodgy, slowly getting there. Uh, And Russell, no, you did do a great job last week as the easel and uh, all those other easels that are out there. You've all done good jobs. But I just wanted to just sort of a little bit of revision of last week as we are talking about our up relationship with God um, and how we put God above the line. Does anybody feel like coming out and showing us what it was about. You don't have to, but is there anyone brave? Anyone full of courage? Nobody? (laughs) Mitchell, go Mitchell. (laughs) And you have to explain as you draw.
1: Last week, God talked about... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It was God talking through Neil. It's all right. Um... (coughs) Neil talked to us about how we need to put God above the line. And this represents our life, pretty much. And God should be the only person up here, the most important thing. And down below the line should be everything else, like, I can't even spell, this is terrible. Family, money, our job our home, etc. And that we need to keep God up here as the only thing above the line, not God and family, not God and money, not God and our job, God alone.
0: Yes, well done.
1: Well done, Mitchell.
0: (laughs) Now, as I was just sort of thinking about this a bit more during the week, uh, because they are sort of wondering, well, how does God end up above that line? How, how do we know that God is above there? Because obviously God is in all these things, right? Isn't he? We don't want to make it that, you know, the only good thing is God and these are all bad because that's what happened in the past. There's some people that decided that the only good things are spiritual things, so if it was spiritual, then it was good. If it was physical, it was bad. So they, they basically came to the conclusion that um, your body's bad, uh, people are bad, things are bad, and the only good thing is God. But as Christians, in our up relationship with God, it's about submitting all these things under God. In other words, God is the one who rules and directs us in all these things. Okay, is that making sense? And, and we're going to just sort of look at a few things about that in a second, and we'll just pray first. Father, I just thank you for your word. It's so amazing, it's true, and it gives life. Lord, help us as your people to be true disciples, Lord God, to love you with our whole hearts, to come to you with honesty, Lord God, about who we are, that your word might change us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is, this is our dilemma. Okay, we know that we've got the three relationships we want to get strong, right? Remember that, the triangle, up, in and out. May as well draw it just so you can remember. I know it's small, up, in and out. So look at our up relationship with God, our in relationship, how do we function as a body, which is what we're just going to start on this morning And the out relationship, how do we take our faith out there? How do we have a relationship with the world that's not just um, forced? So, in other words, I'm I'm forcing my Christianity out there against who I am, but a natural outflow of the work of God in our lives. In other words, a, a natural flow of out. Because we do understand that we need our relationship with God because God changes us. But our relationship with God is the start of everything. But if if we don't then fellowship, then we're not actually really fulfilling God's fullness in our life either. And we're going to read about that very shortly. And of course, if we're not carrying out the Great Commission, which is what? To go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptise, teach people to do all the things that Jesus said, then there's something missing in what we have as Christians. So we've got... Well, I guess the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. Up. Make sure that that relationship, the up relationship is strong. Love the Lord your God. Then what does it say? The second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Okay, that that, that in relationship, that... The learning to love, and and I think in NLT it says it really well, it says don't just pretend to love others but really love them. There can be a fakeness in our love for one another. If we are not living in that, up, then our love for one another is incomplete. And again, Jesus told us we need to go out. We need to share the gospel with those around us, okay, but in a natural God way. And we'll be looking at that later on. But what does it mean to actually submit something to God? Do we all know the Word of God is the truth? Yes? Yep. So the Word of God is the truth. We are sent to that in our mind, okay? Now, as Christians, a disciple is a learner, someone who can learn from Jesus Christ. And and in the end, our, our whole point must be, what's Jesus saying to me and what am I actually doing about it? And I think... That's half of the problem that we have. We, we, we sometimes get to that point of, yeah, I know what Jesus is saying to me, but we never even ask that question, what am I going to do about it? It's like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, good, good, that's great, that's awesome, maybe you hear a good message, maybe you've read a good reading that week, maybe you've seen creation and God came alive to you, and it's like, yeah, that's what God's saying to me, and that's it. No change, no, no learning, no real learning, which is the depth of relationship growing with him and with others. Okay, so what does it mean to put God above the line in family? Does anyone have any scriptures that they could sort of paraphrase? You don't have to get it exactly right about what God says about family. Husbands, wives, kids, those sorts of instructions. Okay, let's try this one. Children, obey your parents. What about this one, husband's love, Love your wife, what else, hey, (laughs) yeah, what is it, (laughs) Lyle, you forgot, (laughs) all right, wife, submit, (laughs) oh, what about even this one, live together in peace, which isn't actually related to that. Uh, What about this one, put away all anger? That's really bad writing, but you know what I said. What about money? Anyone know any scriptures about money? (laughs) The love of money is the root of all evil, okay. Yep. Yep, can't love money in God. Throw your treasure in heaven. Okay, treasure is where your heart is. No one even noticed I didn't put it here on that, did they? It's too small. Okay, what about this? Uh, Rich, give generously. Yep, tithing. Give joyfully. All right, and there's many, many others, like even in Say with job, you'd have verses like, um, you know, the lazy man desires and have, has nothing. And he talks about how we should be good, hard workers and, and how our job is actually an expression of worship to God. Um, what about this one? Um, obey those who have authority over you, do everything without complaining or arguing. Okay, that's the word of God, right? Do the work unto the Lord, not unto men. Okay, are we starting to get this theme? What's the word of God say? So actually putting God first in that means that we take his word and actually apply it to those situations. Okay, it's not about, you know, um, by putting God first isn't just this airy-fairy thing. It's about taking hold of God's word and actually applying it in that situation. Why? Why? Because what God says works. It has to work. If we're Christians and we believe his word is perfect and we believe that it's a perfect law of liberty following after what God desires, then as true disciples and people who put God first, it doesn't mean that we just go to church and, and go to a prayer meeting and make sure that's part of our life. It means submitting everything else to God. Now that sounds pretty tough, right? Because right now you're all going, yeah, maybe I don't submit everything to God. And it's probably true. But then we get the word of God in other ways. Because we can start to get that that side of guilt and condemnation. But then the word of God says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Jesus, who walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. The Bible says that you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if you sin, you can just ask for forgiveness and he'll give it to you with repentant heart. Okay, and true repentance is actually changing the way you think, not necessarily tears and sadness and weeping because that's only doing half the job, half the job of recognising where you're falling short but not actually completing the work to actually do what God says. Okay, so what's the problem? The problem is this, we don't obey that. That's pure and simple what it is. God is not complicated. He asks us to live a certain way because that's what is going to bring life to us, not because he wants to control us and manipulate us. If he did that, then he wouldn't have given us a free will, right? He wants us to serve him with a fullness of heart, knowing him and loving him, so it's out of a love for God that we do all these things. What about with worship? Well, God says, come into that, to his house with thanksgiving in your heart. Come into the courts with praise. It says, I wish that all men everywhere would be lifting holy hands and praying. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And this is where it starts to get a bit blurry because we, we, we think that You know, we can follow God without being obedient to his word and you cannot. You just can't. And the thing is that one thing has to change. It either has to be God or it has to be us. Who do you reckon it should be? Considering God says, I do not change, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever, it's probably not going to happen. It's off the cards off the table, impossible, not just highly unlikely. It's just not going to happen. God is not going to change because he is truth and he is pure and has been from the beginning. So then, if he's not going to change and we as Christians are saying, you're right, God, doesn't that somehow call us into a life that says, I will obey? I'm going to submit myself to you and say, God, what do you actually want for my life? Because I can say things like, you know, I, I just, I'm just not into singing, just not into praising God. I know God says that I should, but you know what? I know better. I'm just not into being generous because it's really about my future and securing that for me and I don't don't want to be generous you know what, I don't want to live in peace in my house, I want to have my way. Well, actually, I feel quite justified in being angry all the time because people are idiots and they deserve all that wrath that I have stored up for them. And so what we can tend to do is justify our actions because that's what we think is correct. Is that right? It's what we've always thought That's who I am. It's just my nature. It's just my character. It is the way I was made and I just can't help it. Guess what the Bible says? That you are a new creature, created after Christ Jesus to good works. Ha! Sorry, just blew that theory out of the water, didn't we? It says to put on the new nature which is created after Christ Jesus. You know, put off the old man, put on the new. And if he has given us that new nature, by golly, we've got it. And it's about accessing the promises that he has for us and allowing that word to start to take root in our life. Okay? Now, when I write these things here, and it was great to hear what people are saying, you know, this is a word that I know about that. Can you start to see how important it is to actually get into his word? It talks about the word being like that mirror that we look into. And we see the truth. But so often man will walk away from that mirror Forget what he looks like. And God is asking us to look into his word. Why? Because what do you do when you look in the mirror in the morning besides that sort of stuff? I'm not looking real good today. What's the whole point of the mirror? My guess is, yeah, sorry, reflect. Reflect. Does it reflect truth or does it reflect what you see? (laughs) Unfortunately, truth. (laughs) It reflects truth, right? What you see is what you actually really look like, except the wrong way around. (laughs) Now, I don't know about blokes, but I look in the mirror and I'm like, hmm, (laughs) looking good. (laughs) I don't notice the gut, I just notice that little ting of a muscle that's just growing (laughs) And women tend to look the other way. (laughs) It's the lights, targets, targets, terrible lights in the change room. (laughs) (laughs) But truth is reflected to us, right? And so what do we do? What is the point of a mirror? It's not actually to show us what we're like, sorry? Remind you who you are? But something else, what do we do? I see my hair's like a cockatoo, so oh, I better fix that. Yeah, wet my hair, brush it, and that's why it looks so good today. <laughs> my hair is that sort of hair; never looks good, so I don't care. Absolutely, reminds you of who you are, what you need to get prese- to do to get presentable. And so God's word works in our life like that, okay? It says when we look into it, it's like looking into the perfect law of liberty. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Law and liberty in the same sentence. Because we sort of think law is like what we have to do and liberty is I can just do what I want. Is that normally how we think, isn't it? It's like, you know, yeah, we don't like the law because you know rules are only given so you can disobey pretty much. What God is saying about his word is this, that if you follow it, if you look into it, and you apply that to your life, you're going to have a freedom that you never felt before because your marriage will change, because your relationships with people will change. The way you view yourself will change. It brings freedom to your life. Absolute freedom. You see, that obedience to his word begins to change things. It's not there to, to stifle you. It's not there to, to hold you in, in chains. And then, of course, you get his spirit that starts to move in your life as well. Okay, Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we know we have the spirit because the word says we does. And we believe it. And we allow His Spirit to start to work in our life. So, how do I put God above that line? It's it's not about our outward form, you know, the the religiosity of our behaviour, you know, because so often we can separate it, can't we? You know, we've got church and then work. Well, that's ridiculous. Church and school, that's ridiculous. We've got God in everything and above everything, in everything in our life. So ministry starts and ends with you, wherever you are. Ministry is not church. There is ministry in church. But ministry is out there when you're starting to apply the Word of God. What was the job of a minister? To bring the Word of God to a situation. Well, guess what? You're a minister wherever you are. When you're at work, what's the job of a minister? Bring the God God's word to the situation. When you're with your family, what's ministry? Bring God's word to your family. When you're playing sport, what's your ministry? To bring God's word to sport. And it's really dangerous to separate those things from God. And it's even more dangerous to put those things above God. So how do we do it? How do we make God above the line? We seek him, not just in prayer and spirit, but we also seek his word and we start to apply it. And all of a sudden, God above the line means that I'm listening to you, God, and I'm letting you rule my life. Lyle, could you come up, please? I've seen as you are so shy before. Lyle's just going to share something with us and then we're going to close. I don't... Have time to go further than that.
2: Morning. Hopefully, I'll get something out. Now yeah, I've been chucked in the spotlight again. Um, now, I've um, yeah, been reading through uh, James, which is uh, a very compact book, really. It's a lot there to unpack. Um, when you actually go through it, and um, as a chapter two, all, all of it was really convicting me. But just just that obedience, and also you, you can't, unlike Neil and and others have been saying, you can't have faith and not your works. Works and faith work hand in hand. Um, and in James, it says that in chapter two. Um, but what you anyway, what we're getting to is. Uh, I've been having a few moments at work um, where I just felt like God was saying, you know, you should pray for this person. They're telling you a few things, and, and I just ha- wasn't doing it. Um, but uh, got had a bit of a breakthrough. Uh, last week, we had one of our guys uh, just resigned, and he was moving on to other things and just had this um, had the Holy Spirit really pushing me to just, just say, hey, you're to pray for this guy. Um, and it took me a while, but I was obedient um and that fear that normally held me back you know like oh what are they going to think of you or or maybe they're gonna you know chuck a whammy and tell you to go away whatever but um yeah i just prayed for him just prayed a prayer of prosperity over him that god would bless the work of his hands and the deal dealings that he makes with people in the future and and uh at the end of it i opened my eyes and he said thank you <laughs> um so i guess all I'm really trying to say is just to encourage others that you don't have to see, you don't have to go up to someone and see their leg grow back. You know, it's it's not about, it's, you know, that amazing, there's people out there who've, who've done it and that's awesome, God using them to do that, but he wants us all to go out there and just to share the word with everyone. Um, share that love, just extend that hand. Um, if I can just quickly just share something from James chapter 2, just to give you a context. Uh, this is from the Message Bible, uh, chapter 2:14. 14. Uh, Dear friends, do you think you get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend, dressed in rags and half-starved, and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you walk off without even without him providing them so much as a coat or a cup of soup, where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good, you take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if, you can, as if you've done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But, that's what, uh, but what does that do for them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? wasn't our ancestor abraham made right with god by works when he placed his son isaac on the sacrificial altar isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoke partners that faith expresses expresses itself in works that the works are works of faith the full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence abraham believed god and it was set right and was set right with god includes his action it's a mesh of believing and acting that God Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God not by barren faith, but by faithful, fruitful, uh, but by faith fruitful in works.